the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Nice day today, huh? I think we touched 60 with some sunshine in the clouds, eventually clearing out tonight, low down to 37. Tomorrow, kind of cool for a while, but give it time. Should have a mix of clouds and sun, a good part of the day, and a high of 68 tomorrow. Actually supposed to get to 70 on Wednesday, and again on Friday, then Thursday, have one of those little dips where it's in the mid to upper 50s, and on the cloudy, maybe a little rainy side, but still, that's not too bad either, especially considering what we've had recently. Flyers lost 4-3 in overtime to Montreal yesterday. A devastating loss in a lot of ways. They're actually ahead 3-2 and uh, gave up a shorthanded goal with just 43 seconds left in the game. That tied it, and then Montreal won a couple minutes into overtime. Flyer interim head coach Mike Yo talked about if he's ever seen a team struggle or crumble like the Flyers, especially late in games. I haven't, and I also haven't seen, you know, the reluctance to, I mean, we spent a long time this morning talking about showing a team like Florida, showing a team like Carolina, you know, it's uh, the things that you do to win games. And still before that, that moment in the game, I'm sure you guys probably agree. It's not like we all felt real good about our game, uh, even when we have the lead. So Again, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to keep finding ways to get players to understand that you can play the way you want to play, or you can play winning hockey. And uh, you know, again, I think that there was things that you can look at. Our defensive game is getting better, and blah blah blah. That's nice. That's what you have to do. That's what you're supposed to do. And there's a way to play with the puck where you're not turning it over and giving free ice and giving freebies to a team that uh, you know obviously has skill. We uh, we still refuse to do that. Fire interim head coach Mike Yo. The frustration starting to seep out there. He's been a pretty positive, uh, strong voice, and uh, after yesterday's uh, defeat, that's been even a little harder to, to stay positive. But you got to do that. Fire goalie Carter Hart talking about the game after uh, yesterday. You just got to bear down. I mean, it's pretty simple. Um, Sixty minutes in a hockey game, you got to play every single every single minute, and you step on the ice, you got to be ready. It's myself included. You got to be ready for whatever comes your way. And tonight, we took our foot off the gas for sure. It's Carter Hart, Flyer goalie. They'll try and get back on track Thursday night when they're home against Nashville at 7. Sixers were in overtime yesterday as well, except they got a win, 116-114 over Orlando. And Sixer head coach Doc Rivers talked about the Sixers Coming from behind. We fall back in most of you know, but I would like not to do that. I would love to get off to a good start. And I, I do think it starts on the defensive end where, where we start the game. It's almost like we got to get punched in the mouth before we, we turn on our defensive intensity. That third quarter, that stretch of defense was phenomenal, all right? But, but we have to start the game that way. And so I'm going to go watch the film and figure out why. And then try and apply it to tonight's game. They're back on the court already at home against Denver at 730. 
Also, not to be lost in this shuffle, Major League Baseball going to be coming back. The owners and players were able to get an agreement worked out, but spring training now going to be kind of compressed as uh, things were delayed a bit there. Philly skipper Joe Girardi talking about the challenge of doing all that. The difficult part is for us is making sure that we don't push them too hard in the beginning and making sure that they have their feet under them before they're playing in games and not asking them to play at a pace that they're not ready to. And and I think it's also holding the player back a little bit because the player is going to say, well, I, I, I know I have less time, so i got to get ready quicker. And that could lead to injury. So I think a communication is extremely important. In a sense, making sure they're going at the pace that they should be, not rushing anything. Phillies manager Joe Girardi, and that's easier said than done. I've never played professional sports, but I do know that there is pressure that these athletes feel, especially in spring training where some of them are trying to make the team and they may push through something where they'd rather, you know, what wisdom might be to take their time. They may, you know, potentially an athlete in any sport could kind of hide an injury because they're afraid they might not make the team or they might lose their job. So in any case, Joe Girardi, Philly's uh, manager, going to try and keep an eye on all that and get them ready for this Friday's preseason opener. They'll be taking on Detroit. Uh, this Friday. Also, not to be <laughs> lost in all the, the news going on, Tom Brady, number 12, coming back, if he ever was away. Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, who I don't think officially retired, although he kind of said it, but his paperwork wasn't pushed through the league, is uh, saying, you know, I think I need to come back and uh, do this one more time, at least. Uh, along those lines, we're looking forward to Rob Motti, pro football uh, writer for the Associated Press, joining us. Maybe we'll talk about that for a minute. But I actually want to talk about something more important in uh, this hour, actually, uh, talking about loving your enemies. And uh, Rob will get into that with us here in just a couple of seconds. I won't, I'll, I'll, I'll set it up when we have Rob on the line. Uh, also, a little further in the hour, Andrew Levitas is going to join us. He's director of the new film Minamata, starring Johnny Depp. And that has uh, a lot of themes in it, too. And if we have time, I want to play back for you part of or all the conversation I had with John Oates of Philadelphia's own Daryl Hall and John Oates. He's going to be in Phoenixville this Wednesday doing a, a concert and a, kind of an acoustic show. And I uh, want to play a song of his for you, too. Saw the show. There was an online version last night. Really liked it. If you like blues and bluegrass and that style of music, that's what his show is about this Wednesday. Brief break. Rob Motti, pro football Hall, uh, 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 well, I mean, you know, he'd probably be in the Hall of Fame one day, uh, but he's been doing this for over 20 years. Right to the Associated Press. He'll be joining us momentarily. We'll keep things rolling from there. It's Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 411 on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention before the break there, we're at 25 children now in our partnership with Save the Children, which is great. We're looking to uh, rescue 200 in the days and weeks to come. If you want to help out, you can go to WFIL.com and see the Save the Children banner there. It's a fairly straightforward thing. We're looking for folks willing to do a one-time donation of $60, or you could do $5 a month. Either way, it adds up. 
to providing something called plumpy nut, which is a peanut-based uh, food that has some nutrients and other uh, minerals and vitamins in it. There's medication also provided with this to help rescue a child from the brink of starvation. It's more than just a child who doesn't have much to eat. These are children literally on the edge of starvation. And so there's a lot of advantages to this plumpy nut. It doesn't have to be refrigerated. It's very easy to use and administer and all that. So among other things. So you can either help out by calling 855-863-5492, 855-863-5492, or again at WFIL.com. We had a little um, holdup, if you will, in the scoreboard updating, and then the no- new numbers became available this morning. So we posted those. You can keep track of the progress there, which is always fun to see. It's part of our uh, WFIL listening family experience together helping do some good in the world that God has put us in, and uh, we appreciate your consideration for that. Speaking of doing some good, I know a longtime friend, Rob Motti, who's the uh, a pro football writer for the uh, Associated Press, he often has done radio, and whenever he signs off, he talks about uh, being a blessing. Hey, Rob, how are you, man? Hey, Timmy, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Good. Good to hear your voice today. As always, man. As always. Yeah, so uh, yeah, was it Make a Difference, Be a Blessing? Is that how you sign off, I think? Every show, man. Every show. I've been doing it for about uh, since I since I've been doing radio um, after maybe 2015, 2016. Yeah. And uh, I, I've been able to bring that to any show I do, whether it's a sports show, Faith on a Field show, AP football podcast. It's just a little reminder to everybody out there that everything, this life is bigger than us. And, and uh, if we can bless somebody, if we can make a difference, if we can impact people, in a little bit of a way, I think that's uh, how you leave a, a legacy and, and leave a, a strong mark behind. For sure. Folks uh, who don't know Rob, Rob is, is originally from the area and been around for many years, but recently moved to Florida with his family as part of a new job. He covered the Phillies and, and Eagles and all the sports in Philadelphia, really, for a couple of decades. And now is the AP pro football writer um, on a national level and, and uh, covers, in fact, I guess you're going to have more fun this year with Tom Brady coming back. Uh, so you're going to keep <laughs> Absolutely. And so as Tom Brady comes back yesterday, I made my return to the ballpark today. I actually went to the Phillies first time, been in a clubhouse in uh, two years since the pandemic. So it was pretty cool to be able to talk to. Of course, we still had to wear masks inside the clubhouse for whatever reason MLB wants us to do it. But yeah. uh, as long as you're – yeah, you got all your shots and everything else. I uh, got a chance to speak to Bryce Harper. So I made a cameo. Uh, they can't keep me away from baseball. So <laughs> as, much as, I, as much as I'm doing the NFL, and it's busy with NFL free agency, Tom Brady popped in on the Phillies today and, and just knocked out a, a little Bryce Harper story. That's great. Well, and, and I saw on Facebook you posted about, you know, the beautiful sunshine, which normally might, you know, make some of us a little jealous, but it's close to 60 here today. It's supposed to be even 70 in the next couple of days. So. You're not that far ahead of the Philly weather at this point, but I sure I sure hope it stays nice because I'm coming up tomorrow. Wife and, and kids are coming with me. We're going to visit the family for a few days, and I, I have an event with Brian Dawkins at the Parksburg Point and Octorera High School Wednesday night. So oh, wow. it's going to be a, a great event with uh, uh, Eagles Hall of Famer, NFL Hall of Famer Brian Dawkins. I believe there's still limited tickets available. Okay. Uh, but if you go, yeah, if you go on my social media, you can you can find out how to get in. But it's a, it's a, it's a great it's going to be a great night with Doc for sure. Talking about uh, mental health awareness, mental wellness, as he likes to uh, refer to it. And uh, of course, we will be bringing <laughs> the word 
Absolutely. Amen. So, uh, yeah, folks tuning in, and I'll spell it out for folks. Rob's last name is spelled M-A-A-D-D-I, simply enough, so you can look him up on social media, Rob Motti. Uh, and, you know, it's a natural segue. Speaking of mental health, uh, I saw also on Facebook your post from yesterday, and I'll just let you explain however you want to explain, but it, it's dealing with some of those things and some of the, the challenges when you post about the Lord on online. Yeah, and uh, it, it really stems from it, it's been consistent. And anytime I would say anything about Carson Wentz, there's so much hate, especially directed from Eagles fans, which is really unfortunate, really sad. Eagles, there's a lot of Eagles fans who love to hate Carson Wentz, and it's become to the point where they they treat him like a villain, like he's just an absolute awful human being, and they look for any way possible to attack him. And 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 this latest round was Saturday. Uh, he had spoken to students on Friday, and and on his AO1 Foundation uh, social media, they posted what he said to the students about the trade, and it was him just talking about talking to God after the trade, saying, hey, if this is what you want me to do, I know this life is yours. I know what I do uh, is here to glorify you, and it doesn't matter uh, ultimately in the end how many touchdown passes I throw, and I'm just trying to be a servant for the Lord. So all I did was post what he said, and boy, did they come out, and and the, the venom was absolutely nasty. It was awful, and uh, I thought about it, and, you know, uh, for the first time, I actually used the restrict reply. And this is this is all on Twitter, Timmy. It's not Facebook. It's not Instagram. The most hate you get is on that toxic cesspool of negativity, Twitter. Um, and and uh, I finally used the restrict the replies button afterwards after X amount of nasty messages. I said, that's enough. I don't need to see this anymore. And it's a Saturday night, and I'm spending time with my kids and my wife. And I just posted something saying that, you know, this this is I, I used to have a lot of trouble with those kind of reactions and those kind of responses. I, I used to have uh, a, a problem with that. And it would bother me to the point that uh, I would it would take time away from my family. I'd be thinking about should I respond? Should I say this? What should I do? How can I? come about it. And, and then I started to just like block people or mute people, but I'm still always been torn about it to me because I feel like maybe I can, and if I, if I respond with love, maybe I can help someone, maybe I can change someone's heart a little bit. And occasionally that's happened over the past, but I've just realized that uh, blocking, muting, restricting is best for my own mental health. And, and that's how I can preserve my own sanity. And uh, I shared about that yesterday, and I said, you know, these things, these feelings, these thoughts, when they come to me uh, and they rob me of my joy at home with family, this is the enemy trying to prevent me from doing what I want to do and, and from sharing the gospel and sharing uh, what I'm passionate about and my mission and my testimony. And I just wanted, I used it to, I wanted to encourage people not to stop, uh, not to allow ridicule to prevent them from their purpose. And as it turned out, I got this outpouring of, of love and support on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter from people just saying, hey, we're praying for you. Keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate you. Don't let the haters and don't let uh, all of that bring you down. So it, it, was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty beautiful. Folks, just tuning in, Rob Motti spending a few minutes with us today. He's AP Pro Football writer uh, and, and been covering sports and writing for many, many years, including many of them here in Philadelphia. And uh, that's, 
you know, as you're talking there, I'm thinking, you know, of course, Carson Wentz you know, played here and he was went to Indianapolis for a season. He just got traded recently to Washington, which is the, the most recent trade you're referring to or, or, or whatever. So he's had a lot to deal with, yeah. a lot to process. And as you put in your your uh, your post that, you know, you're experiencing it like this. Carson's feeling it tenfold or however many fold because yeah. of his profile. But, you know, when you stop and think about as a believer, you and he and I and those listening who love the Lord – it all comes – it's in Scripture all over the place. I was thinking about Luke 6 where it says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And it continues on and says, uh, even sinners lend to, lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked." Be merciful just as your father is merciful. And I will add to this that I was just reading in John chapter 5 yesterday, and it said how Jesus looks to the father basically to take his cue. The, the, the son doesn't do anything he doesn't see the father doing. And as a busy guy, and I know you're a busy guy, it's easy to want to serve the Lord and, and have all our stuff out and we're trying to organize it. If if the if Jesus, the Son of God, doesn't do anything unless he's like in sync with the Heavenly Father and keeping an eye on like what are you doing? Okay, I want to do that. How much more to take what these words in Luke six and his scripture say? And I know you're trying to do that. So I'm I'm glad to. I'll I'll be one of those commending you as well, but I know you're not about that. You want to see the greater good. You want to see others come to know him too. Yeah, and, and that's really what it was all about. Uh, it, it was just trying to be a, a little word of encouragement to everyone out there that, hey, uh, I've dealt with this. Carson deals with this a ridiculous amount of time. You're going to deal with this. The Bible says, Jesus said himself, hey, remember, if the world hates you, they hated me first. And, 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 right. and like you said in some of the scriptures you referred to there, uh, these are things we think about. And, and, and I know that um, what, what we go through now is not anything close to some of those who, you know, vitriol on social media is nothing compared to being persecuted as a Christian. And, and those who, uh, even to this day in 2022, um, are, are, are just, <laughs> they go through in so many different countries through so much, and some are even killed because of their faith. I, I know I can point to my wife, Remy, who grew up in Egypt, and she said there were times when they would be worshiping in church, not knowing what is going to happen and, and when they walk out or while they're inside, wishing or, or hoping or praying as they're worshiping, as they're singing, that hopefully we're not too loud that someone attacks us right now. So we are um, we, we're so blessed in this country to be able to, free, to freely express our faith. And with that comes criticism from the non-believers and, and so many uh, others out there. But we, we can't stop doing it. And, and that's, that's always been my point. It's, it's about uh, spreading his word, spreading the gospel, shining the light, being more like him, and, and trying to unashamed, uh, being unashamed about our faith and spreading uh, the good news wherever we go in our marketplace. You don't need a big platform. I say that all the time. You don't need a microphone. You don't need radio shows. You don't need uh, to be in front of a big stage. It's right where we are, um, where God has placed us to serve him and to spread Jesus in, in our little own uh, area of influence. Amen. And, you know, and, and even just circling back to what you said about using the block button or the restrict button, uh, there are times and places that that's I think that is appropriate. Uh, it, it's easy to, and I know some people who kind of 
they do they they use in general in life they use a block button kind of all the time and it's a little bit more like they're more worried about just protecting <laughs> themselves i'm not advocating that cuz i do think that there needs to be times you're going to if you're in relationship with people in life you're going to get wounded sometimes but if you want them to do the right kinds of wounds right? friends from a wound can be trusted it says in proverbs but so but again there's time and a place and maybe there are those times where you say you know what this isn't productive i'm going to uh Put a block up. I'm going to still pray. I want my heart to not block people. I'm not just maybe maybe what I'm exposing myself to at times. Uh, so anyway, I just because maybe a little bit of that we'll be talking about that with um, with Brian Dawkins. Just as a reminder again for folks, it's Wednesday night that that uh, event is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's Wednesday night, and as I'm checking right now, that tickets are apparently they are sold out for the event. But oh wow! It will be live streamed. Yeah. It will be live streamed, and we'll share it from our Faith on the Field um, social media, which is at Faith on the Field. So over 900 people have already bought their tickets for this event. Um, so that's going to be great that we'll be able to uh, uh, just really share about mental health resources and, and talk to Doc about everything that he's gone through in his past. And uh, obviously, of course, um, just remind people that we have the answer. That answer is Jesus Christ, and uh, we're grateful uh, to be able to have this opportunity to share that with uh, so many people, especially a lot of students at the high school. Amen. And I just want to point people to your show, faithonthefieldshow.com. They can look it up and find out more. I was just on the site today. And Carson Wentz's former coach, Frank Reich, who, he was the offensive coordinator here, right, for a while? Uh, before. Yeah, yeah, they won a Super Bowl here together. Yeah, he was the he was a, a guest a couple weeks ago, and then we took some time off and just came back uh, last week with a new episode. Okay, so folks can go there and find out your interviews with primarily athletes and coaches and within all uh, areas yeah. of sports. Yeah, right? and yeah, yeah, and it's been predominantly a lot of NFL um, because of of uh, my focus in covering the NFL um, since uh, last July. Okay. But uh, occasionally we'll mix in we'll mix in a baseball player and, and hopefully some basketball and hockey. But uh, it's, yeah, always a, a Christian athlete, Christian coach, former athlete, uh, former coach, and uh, it's been tremendous. It's been it's been a, an, an incredible ride and an awesome journey, and we're really excited about it. We're in eight markets right now on eight different radio stations, and we're navigating through uh, trying to expand and, and reach more people. Amen. Amen. Keep up the great work, my friend. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor in him is never in vain. So keep up Thank you, brother. the good work. And greetings to your family. Appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. You too. Have a great day. It's Rob Motti. He is a pro football writer for the Associated Press. He's been covering football and all kinds of sports for better than two decades, including many of them in the Philadelphia area, now living in Florida and, and working down there. So uh, glad to have him on the program talking about some of these things and um, yeah. Wow. It's always good to talk to Rob. He's a guest every now and again, and uh, we get great perspective from the likes of him. And Gary Cobb has joined us and often shares some great insight, too, in sports and, and uh, life and faith. So more of those guests to come uh, day by day. We appreciate, by the way, your prayers for our program as we do this, as we want to present to you a slice of different aspects of life, uh, but certainly within the Christian framework and uh and give you things to think about and be encouraged by. We realize that not everybody who listens to the radio station is a Christian, and so we hope that you'll consider the things you're hearing on this program and the different pastors you hear during the rest of the day 
Uh, every now and again, we'll also have guests on who may not be a believer necessarily, but we're learning about where they're coming from and just trying to understand uh, some of their craft, perhaps, and get to appreciation for some of the work they've done. And I've seen as we've had those conversations, the Lord brings some good things about uh, from those the conversations as well. That said, quick break, and then we're looking forward to having uh, filmmaker Andrew Levitas join us. He's director of the new film Minamata, starring Johnny Depp. That's coming up next on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. It's 431 on the Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. Thank you for tuning in. There's a new film out called Minamata, starring Johnny Depp. And, uh, Depp plays Eugene Smith, who's a famous photojournalist, one of the most famous ones. At the time, Smith was putting an end to his long career, right as the story of Minamata was brought to him by the editor at Life magazine. And um, he gets back in the game, so to speak, and the story goes from there. There's some uh, language and some alcohol and some other things kind of kicking around, and that's just kind of representing where... Eugene Smith's life was at the time, uh, but the film overall has a, a lot of powerful things to say, and Andrew Levitas, the uh, filmmaker and director, who also does a lot of other things, sculpture and uh, metalwork and paintings and everything, joining our program, Andrew Levitas, how are you? Hey, Tim, I'm doing well, thanks, and you? Uh, very well. I, uh, I really enjoyed watching uh, Minamata, so... Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah. A share for starters, if you would. How did you personally come to work on it? When did it first come on your radar, and that, you know what motivated you to get going with it? It's it's a lot sure. to tackle. Sure. Yeah. So you know, I was familiar with the work of Smith, in particular the Minamata work, at a very young age. I I remember seeing this one image, like this Pieta kind of image, of a uh, of a mother holding her her sick child in the bath and at like 10 or 12 years old and, and, and having like a complex reaction to it because there were some pretty tough things in that image, but I walked away feeling quite good and inspired and uplifted. And I never understood why. And then as I got older, I reexamined it. And as I became an artist, I sort of dove deeper and, you know, looking at the image now, I clearly recognize that it's because what's, it's sort of a good versus evil, right? A, a, the best of humanity and the worst of humanity in a single image. And what you realize is that um, the goodness wins out. And so ultimately those two things put together, the, the positive, the power, the strength, is what wins over the darkness. And, um, and that's something that stuck with me. And I've always wanted to, and I, and I think that that's part of all the work that I do now was really inspired by those days. And then years later, you know, a few years ago, I was, um, you know, I'm just engaged with the world and looking at what I want to make next. And, and I started thinking about and uh, catching up on Minamata and, and realizing that there are still thousands of people 50 years later in Minamata that are still fighting to be heard, fighting to be seen, victims of, of this corporate pollution and this, this corporate greed. And then it was clear to me that this is something that is prevalent in our country, certainly in the U.S., but all around the world. And this fight that they were having so heroically then, stepping up and winning, it's a fight that we need to all be having, right? We, we need to band together. We need to do that. And, and it just felt like a, an incredibly universal story and something that we could all truly be inspired by. And, you know, once I made that decision that I had to, to make it and tell the story and try to bring that uplift and that strength and that power 
to people, there was no turning back. Yeah. Well, and to your point, a very powerful end of the film, not to get ahead of ourselves, but just to briefly posting photos from different disasters. And I remember thinking, this list is getting really long. Like, it, it really helped yeah. me think that Minamata is not a one-off or a rare thing to read and kind of walk away from. But it's like, this is not okay. Is this really happening? Oh, wow, I forgot about that one. You know, how, how easy it is for some of these things to, I don't know if that's the right word, but, and how widespread. So, to your point. That's right. And I think we're living in a time where news cycle, first of all, most of us are just struggling to put food on the table and, you know, get, get, get a job and, you know, just survive. But beyond that, the news cycle itself is so fast moving that these, these enormous disasters that impact tens of thousands, millions of lives, they happen and then they're off, they're off the news. They're, they're out of our consciousness and we forget, but they're ongoing everywhere. And, you know, as a collective global society, we need to find that love and that power in ourselves um, to all band together and just fight for what's right for everybody. Yeah. Um, and these are universal things. I mean, this is like an apolitical film. This is, you know, everyone on this earth d- deserves clean air and clean food and you know, clean uh, yeah. water and the ability to have joy and love and love their kids and, you know, get on with it. Well, and I, I will say this to you, Andrew, just in, in, in general, watching Minamata reminded me how important it is to take time to slow down and listen without distraction in general long enough to hear a story, hopefully a good one with redemptive value like Minamata. Uh, it just reminded me that's such a better way to spend your time than the transient scrolling of a phone or just, you know, whatever wind's blowing your way. And by the time you just go to bed and you're like, what did I think? What did I even do today? It really, it, it, you know, I, I watched it all the way through and thought I need, I needed to hear this story. It was really helpful to be reminded like life it goes should go a lot deeper than uh, you have to fight for it too you know otherwise you won't pay attention long enough to anything to even hear a, good, a story like this so oh you you raise a really good point you know uh, at the time the film takes place you know it's it's really life magazine is on its last legs right and right. at that time you know you pick up a, a magazine you didn't have all this digital photography you didn't have all these you know 6000 cable networks and a million different things drawing your attention, you would sit with a magazine and you'd look at it and you had the time to read a story or, um, you know, or look at an image. And, and there was just less coming at us. And I think we lived because of that understanding, that deeper understanding, there was a deeper human connection between all of us, right? Because we recognize that we're all living in the same world. We recognize those things. And so we had time to love ourselves, love our kids, just like you said, slow down and, and experience something. And, and it's important. And I, I do believe that cinema is one of the last opportunities that we have for this, right? Because especially going to the theater, because you turn off your phone, or at least you should. You know, you yeah. put it in your pocket. <laughs> uh, right. And right. you sit there for a couple hours, you know, and be present and, and go away. And go away and, and experience it. Unfortunately, lots of people aren't sitting down reading novels these days. So movies are the thing. And Especially, you know, for me, I, I feel like my obligation is to make that experience, of course, nutritious and educational and, and all of that, but also exciting and something you want to watch and something that you lean into. And my hope is that people have the experience you did. And when they turn off the, you know, when they walk out of the theater, they want to talk about it, but they also have, they feel different about themselves. They feel better. They feel, um, you know, more excited to step out and, 
feel the air outside the theater. Yeah. we we'll chat with Andrew Levitat on the Tim DeMoss show today on WFIL in Philadelphia. He's director of the new film, Minamata, starring Johnny Depp. I don't even think the word starring is right. Maybe it's featuring because it's not that kind of film in terms of starring. It's not about him, even though it centers around him playing Eugene Smith, of course, the famous uh, photojournalist at the time, putting an end to his long career before the story of Minamata was brought to him. So he's a heavy drinker, heavy smoker, heavy swearer, broke, and not a great dad. So there's that, yet flashes of compassion, grizzled as it might be, and uh, he has his own battles and progresses. Just uh, This is a big brush, but talk about what you know of Eugene Smith as you were researching and thinking and how Johnny Depp specifically was brought in for that role. Sure. So I was really fortunate that I had access to an enormous treasure trove of tapes and of Smith, of videos, of documentary footage, of his actual photographs, the ones that haven't been published. I was able through the Center of Creative Photography for Creative Photography in Arizona to get all of his negatives, historical negatives. And so I was able to look back and also as a photographer myself, just take that information. And then Eileen Smith, who's played by the wonderful actress Minami in the film, um, who eventually became his, his wife, you know, she was so giving to me and to this project. And she, she told me things she probably wouldn't have told her therapist if she has one, right? She gave me everything. Wow. The things that she felt that she probably would have, was embarrassed of, that he would have been embarrassed of. She gave it all to me so I could get as much as I could. And then I shaped that and I sat with Johnny and, you know, we really worked on character. And what I recognized was, you know, in Gene Smith, there was this, this joy in, or this, this love of humanity, right? This is a guy who had witnessed the absolute worst of humanity, but there was this belief in mankind, this belief in every man or woman, this belief that, inside of us, we were inherently good and that we, and that love and, uh, and compassion and goodness was built inside of us, right? And that those things would inevitably win out and they do win out and the lightness pushes the darkness out. And Johnny also has that. Um, hmm. That's built in for him. And Gene also had this, um, this twinkle in his eye. He was quite like a, an interesting character and a funny character. And he's such, he was so sharp, and, and Johnny also has that. And so it was interesting as you could put them, you know, I put Johnny in the film in these very difficult situations, but the twinkle in his eye never, is never extinguished, much like the twinkle in Gene Smith's eye was never extinguished, even at the very end. And that connectivity uh, between Johnny and Gene allowed for Johnny to really step into this role with an authenticity and an honesty and a closeness. It was very dangerous for him emotionally, but a closeness to who he really is as a person on the inside that we just haven't seen before. And I think that's why you know, people are responding to his performance so well is because it's just so, re- it just feels real. It feels like you've never, you know, you don't recognize Johnny in the film, but at the same time, you're actually seeing more of who he really is than you ever have before. That's a very interesting way of putting it. That's very interesting. If you have another minute, I just had two other questions for you. One is simply my son, uh, Tim Jr. He actually is in his second year of teaching film and photography. It's a small Christian school in West Palm Beach. And when he was in college, he thought he might like to do feature films. But around his junior year, he went to Syria with a professor and several classmates about three weeks they were there. They did a documentary on Syrian refugees, including 
interviewing four families four times, which was a lot of work, the language differences. But he said that experience changed his thinking in terms of wanting to perhaps tell meaningful stories. Uh, not that one form is right or wrong, but that, that affected him. Um, and I'm just guessing for you, I know a lot of your work is similar to Minamata in terms of wanting to bring about positive uh, results for people to come away with more than just being entertained. Uh, how, how did doing actually the process of directing Minamata affect you? Sure. Well, you know, because the cast and the crew on this film was really pulling in the same direction and everyone was committed as artists to making a beautiful film, to making something that looked gorgeous, to making, you know, all the things that you normally do as an artist, you know, you, you want to make the best piece of art. But because we also were really committed to the story and the people and what we were trying to say in this instance, and we were all pulling in the same direction. So we, we lived together. We, we got to a place where it also felt that we lived it. And so I was describing before, you know, my actors would walk on, on our stage and they were the characters. I, I put them in the environment to basically live the experience. As the folks behind the camera, it feels like we also lived it. Now, we didn't live it. You know, I, I, it would be uh, insane to say that we lived it the way that the, the real people lived it and the, and the suffering and the pain and all of those things. But it feels like my memories of making this film are not the memories of a filmmaker. It feels like it's a memory of having been in a different world in that experience, almost like I, I lived somewhere else for a few years and, uh, and I'd lived this experience. So I carry it with me. It definitely, it's definitely changed me in that way. But just like Gene Smith was willing to make that sacrifice and felt that it was a, uh, there was no choice but to do it. Yeah. Um, I feel like, and, and that it was a, a gift, right? There were, there's a downside to it or a dark side to that coin, but it's a gift. It's a gift to be able to do it and bring this stuff into the world. And I feel the same. You know, I, I missed my kids. I, 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 it, there, were, there was quite a, a toll on it, but it feels worth it. Um, but it feels like a historical memory to me, not the memory of a filmmaker. Yeah. You know, I don't remember going to dinner. I remember it's as if I was there. Yeah. You know, Andrew, just the last thing, um, thank you for taking a little extra time with us. Uh, I have a daughter, my wife and I, who's 16. She's disabled, and no label officially. It would be cerebral palsy if you had to pick something where her feet curve, they turn in. She has scoliosis, like a lot of stuff. And it moved me because we know, I mean, we don't know why that happened, but we kind of, you know, it wasn't because there was chemicals in our water. And I could only imagine what the parents of the of the folks uh, who are experiencing this because of an external you know, chemical coming in and to see their contorted bodies, how, um, you know, how that, how they must have felt. And, and that scene that you referenced at the beginning of our chat, is it called Tomoko in her bath or something? Yeah, that's right. right. Very powerful. I, so without, I don't want to give it away in the film, but everybody, even uh, Gene Smith's boss, who's pretty edgy himself is clearly moved, you know, by the, by the image. And, um, I just and even the owner of the company, I think. Tell me if I missed this. Yep. Or he 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 even says finally he says like we have to pay like not because we're gonna we're gonna be legally forced to, but it's the, actually the right thing to do. Like he finally saw the humanity. That's exactly right, and um, I'm happy that you saw that. And God bless you. And you know, there is something. Um, 
there is something about the fact that we have a capacity for love and caring inside of us. It's almost like in these moments or at the, you know, when faced with this kind of adversity, if you go through it, and I don't mean to, I, I don't know about your experience, but it's almost, I would imagine in terms of the people that I've spoken to, like you didn't know that your heart could get so big. Yeah. Right? You didn't know that you could love so much. It's almost like, how could I love this much? It's, it's more than I thought I was capable of, especially with the pain of, of what I'm seeing and what I, my hopes and all those things. And, and then I think for people that haven't gone through these experiences, um, we look at those moments and we hope we identify and Smith saw this and you see it in that, in that photograph. Um, we hope that we can be as good as you, that we have it in ourselves to be heroic and to step up to that challenge to give our unconditional love and be the best version of ourselves, to get on with it, to live our lives and to protect and support those people. And I think it's, it's, we're scared of it, but we're scared of it in many ways because we just don't know if we have the capacity. And I think what we've learned time and time again is that we all do. We have it inside of us. It's like, sure, the heart is a certain size, but our you know, figurative heart, it, 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 can, it, it can be bigger than our bodies, right? Yeah. And, um, and there's something so, you know, heroic and special about that. So, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I, I, I hope that the film touches people and, and inspires them in that way, um, you know, to see it and understand it. For sure. Andrew, thank you so much for taking time. It's a, it's a real pleasure to make your acquaintance and I'm looking forward to whatever comes down the pike next, but I'll, I'll soak in this one for a while. Well, so. thank you. And the pleasure was mine and, uh, you know, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. Andrew Levitas, uh, director of the film Minamata. Man, he said a lot of stuff in there I, I want to unpack. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break and then kind of collect my thoughts <laughs> and be able to share a few with you. Uh, again, he's the director of the new film Minamata starring Johnny Depp. We'll, we'll kind of uh, cap off the show with some thoughts about that conversation. And uh, I mentioned wanting to replay John Oates for you because he's in concert this Wednesday in Phoenixville. But maybe we'll just say that for tomorrow just so we can do justice to that as well. One thing at a time. We'll take care of our break. Come back in just a moment. It's Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. It's 4.52 on The Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL in Philadelphia. Thank you for listening in. Our guest before the break there, Andrew Levitas, director of the new film Minamata starring Johnny Depp. And uh, we covered a lot of ground. One of the images in the film is a well-known image you might recognize if you saw. Uh, It goes by a number of different names. I think it's Tomoko or Tomoko and Mother in the Bath. And uh, it was taken by Eugene Smith, who is a famous photojournalist, did a lot of work, among others, for Life magazine. He was about to retire when this story started of, of Minamata. Um, it was a disease, a, a whole, I guess, city of people. The children were, were and adults were having uh, deformities and things based upon mercury and other things in the water because a, a local company was dumping in the water. So it became a big story, and, and Eugene Smith came out of retirement or was about to retire, and he, this became kind of his greatest work. But the photo itself, there's a mother in a in a 
uh, Japanese bath and she's holding her beautiful daughter who is uh, very severely disabled because of this. And I was referencing with Andrew how our daughter Tori is 16 and she has um, you know, a lot of challenges with her physical body. Uh, but and we actually we don't even officially know why that happened, but it wasn't because she was, uh, you know, drank some water or was exposed to water and then then had these uh, horrible deformities. So anyhow, the story um, is a powerful one. And and I and again, give you the disclaimer that Eugene Smith in, in the film, he is a heavy drinker, very heavy drinker, and his language is not so great. And is not a good dad, and there's a bunch of other things too. But you see some redemptive stuff going on in his life, especially as he pursues this story. And so the conversation with Andrew Levitas to me was interesting on a number of fronts. One, he talked about near the end of our chat about the capacity for your heart to grow even bigger as you love, say, your child. And I can tell you that that's true. When our son Tim was born, I never knew I could love someone so much. Uh, especially I have a lot of nieces and nephews and I love them too. And I thought that having a son would be like a step up from that, a couple steps up. And it was a bunch of steps up. And I, with no disrespect to my nieces and nephews, again, who I do love a lot, but having uh, our son, Tim was a huge blessing still is, and has opened my eyes also to understanding God's love for me in a greater way. So uh, there's some commonality there, just understanding that that uh, Andrew was sharing and uh, the love for that mother, for her daughter. And as you observe that picture, if you take a look at it, you can see it's a very tender picture. It's a very awful picture also because it's it's representing some uh, uh, horrible things going on in the culture that resulted in that young girl being deformed. Um, Andrew also said something about having the capacity to love and do we have it in us? And there was a little bit of what he was saying that I guess I would disagree with, or I would disagree with in that, it's not It's not something I can do on my own. Right away, I'm thinking Romans chapter 7 ta- talks about that, where um, it's written that, uh, you know, I know nothing good lives in me, that, that is in my sinful nature. And there's a wrestling back and forth in Romans chapter 7. At the end of that, it says, you know, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God for uh, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, um, so there's that. And then also I'm just thinking first, John 4, a couple of verses says, Dear friends, let us love one another. And here's the ultimate one. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. First John 4, 7 and 8. And as far as being able to carry that love out, Philippians four thirteen, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So there are some thoughts on the conversation with Andrew Levitas, which I really appreciated having and his graciousness and, and uh, Lord willing, have a chance to have him on again. And uh, some of these relationships we have on the program, um, it's, it's healthy, I think, in, in general, you know, I, I, I'm clear in my mind. And if you've listened to the show any length of time, I think, you know, where I stand and that, that scripture is my, firm foundation, you know, and the Lord himself. And that's where I, that's the grid I view things through. But I, I do appreciate having opportunities to have conversations with people who maybe not don't use the Bible as their grid and uh, not, not to kind of water anything down at all. 
but really just to understand where someone's coming from and then perhaps some steps come from that. Just like you would in any area of life, you may want to get to know what the other person's thinking. And uh, well, at the same time, especially in the area of the Lord, it's important not to give off the vibe that, oh, whatever you want, that's fine, because that's not true. It doesn't even make any intellectual sense. You believe whatever you want, it all works out. That doesn't make any sense, logically speaking. Uh, you can respect someone. You can uh, certainly not be uh, mean to someone. But, you know, even on a very simple level, if you think there's a God or there isn't a God, it does, they, can't, they can't be true at the same time. So those are some things to to consider in this program is part of what we, you know, we try to tackle some of those things on the show. So uh, we do appreciate your prayers for the program. We have some pretty cool guests coming up in the days to come. Uh, some of them are local, some of them are national, some of them are pastors, some of them are musicians, some of them are, you know, everything in between. And uh, we've appreciated being able to do this the past few years and Lord willing for some time to come. In the meantime, I'll wrap things up, pass the baton to Alistair Begg with Truth for Life, which we appreciate having on the show. If you have not considered yet uh, perhaps become a truth partner with them which helps keep their ministry on the air you can find it more at truthforlife.org front slash truth partners we'll save our john oates thing for tomorrow in the meantime have a great night see ya thanks for listening to the tim demoss show podcast feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from four to five on am 560 wfil and at wfil.com Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.